morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, you're through to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. And right now is the perfect time to call. That's get it. your questions answered in depth and get all the information you should ever want to hear. <laughs> maybe even more than you want to maybe, hear. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. <laughs> hey, if you happen to be outside of our calling area, just add a 225 right in front of that number. You can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. And the farthest caller today will get a free Agco t-shirt mailed to him usps absolutely. first thing monday morning absolutely will so if you happen to be listening on stitcher or itunes or iheart iheart that's, yeah. that's what i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> any other many 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 media services that are out there uh-huh. broadcast radio just give us a call and we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction got all yeah. your buttons straight to yeah, I think right. I do. Yeah, just in case you don't care to call in or something occurred to you during the week or after we're off the air that's right you always get your questions answered on our website you go to the website it's www dot agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o easy way to remember that's take the acronym Althazan's Garage Company that's right there's a contact bar on every page you can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get an answer back within 24 hours a lot of time sooner depending on when you send it yeah most time a lot sooner than that generally within a couple of hours and it just depends if i'm on vacation or something i don't normally check all day long but uh-huh. when i go home that afternoon or Sometimes first thing in the morning, I'll check it. So generally, you're going to get an answer back no more than 24 hours. I always say 24 just to be safe, but it's generally going to be a lot sooner than that. Correct. And while you're on the website, pop around there. Tons of other things you can do as well. There's a detailed topic section. Put one on there this morning on saving money on automobile insurance. Uh Uh-huh. And this could be insurance in general, but how to save money on insurance. Americans tend to, I think, over-insure a lot of things. There are certain things that certainly have to be insured. Liability insurance is mandated by law, uh-huh. at least in this area it is. And there are certain things you just can't take a risk. You have to insure. But then there are other things that we really don't have to insure or we don't have to fully insure. Correct. One might be an older car. Say we've got a car that's valued at maybe three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. I really have to question the wisdom of carrying full coverage insurance on that car. Right. Because the loss, while it may aggravate you, is not going to wipe you out financially, like, uh-huh. say, a liability loss might. At very worst, the loss is going to aggravate you some, and you go get another car. Right. $4,000 is not going to ruin you. So that's a loss that you could actually self-insure. Uh-huh. Instead of paying someone the $800, $1,000 a year, you just retain that money, stick it in a savings account, stick it in a CD, stick it where you want, maybe pay your home mortgage down with it. There you go. Whatever you want to do, and self-insure. So it's a matter of managing risk, and this article goes into that a good deal, how to do that, things we should insure, things we shouldn't really worry about insuring. And I think you can save a lot of money. I've been using this method for probably 25, 30 years and saved quite a bit of money. That's great. So something to look at a little bit off the topic of auto repair but still automotive related so there you go lots and lots of good articles in there pop on there see what you think www.agcoauto.com i think you'll really like it and we're going to our phone lines with steve good morning steve yeah you're talking before about these air bladders and these 2000 crown vic okay i uh, one squatting out there it's uh the back end squatting down yes sir okay tell me about them thing well steve if it's squatting down you've already got a big problem because what has happened is that the bag has probably started leaking several months, if not years ago, and the pump was running continuously trying to keep it up, and it's now either burned up the pump, burned up the computer, or burned up the pump relay, so now it's going to squat down. It can't go back up anymore. Uh-huh. So now you're pretty much in trouble with it. Time to act on that is the first time you notice it go down at night and you crank it up and it comes back up in the morning. 
at that point, it's just a matter of replacing the bags, okay. which is bad enough, but not horrible. The further you let that go, Steve, the more expensive it's going to get for you. You need to get it checked, find out what's wrong, and get it straightened out, or it's going to really, really get expensive if it hadn't already. Uh-huh. It's staying down all the time now. I just noticed it the first time this morning. Well, now, you may be okay, Steve, if it just went down this morning and you start the car and it comes back up. Uh-huh. Do not think that that's a reprieve and everything's okay. (laughs) That's the warning sign because what will happen, you see, it's two big bags back there, and there's a solenoid in each bag that closes so they hold air. It can't leak out because it's sealed. Now, the only way for it to leak out is through the bag. Now, what happens over time is that that bag is rubber. It dry rots, and when it does, it starts to leak. When it leaks, it squats down because it's no longer holding the back of the car up. Now, when you crank it up, the sensor is going to see it's too low. It's going to turn the pump on, and it's going to pump it right back up again. But the trick is this. That pump is only designed for about a 5% duty cycle. Now, if those bags are leaking, that pump's going to start running 15 20% of the time. And when it does that, it'll burn it up really fast. Now, when you burn the pump up, they add about $600 for a pump plus an hour's worth of labor. And when the pump burns up, a lot of times it'll knock the computer out. So you add another seven or eight hundred dollars plus another hour of labor. So it gets really expensive. Good, great. Yeah, right now the labor to change both those bags is about one hour. So it's not a real huge labor ticket, and the bags are probably in a neighborhood of around three hundred dollars each. There's two of them. Good, great. So you got a little bit of headache on your hands right now, but it's manageable. You just yeah. don't want to let it go and get out of hand. All right. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, man. Thanks, Steve. Bye bye. All right. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? That's that is a great system. It really is a good system. It enhances the ride a lot. It cuts tire wear considerably because it it keeps the car level all the time. Yes. It's actually an excellent piece of engineering, and people get frustrated because. 10, 12 years later, it's got a problem. Well, uh-huh. how many parts of a car 10 or 12 years aren't going to have some kind of problem? Exactly. Well, you're, you're paying for the ride you're getting. That, That's that right. That is vastly an improvement over a set of springs. Well, it's technology that you're paying for, just like all the technology that you got today. And with technology comes benefits, but also comes cost. Exactly. And the bags are just a maintenance item on it. They're not going to last forever. They're going to last 8, 10, 12 years, whatever, right. depending. I guess if the car is garage kept, they may last a little longer. If it's always out in the weather, probably a little less. But I've had people come to me, well, can you take that off of that? Well, why? You're defeating the technology you paid for. Right. You're going to spend as much to take it off and put springs on as you would have to just repair it properly. You're gonna, and, your, your ride is going to change. Yeah, the ride's going to yeah, be that, poor. That's the whole reason you bought the car was for well, the Well, yeah, ride. because it rode well and didn't right. wear tires and handled good. Exactly. And, that's what you paid for, so you might as well get it. But I've seen people go in and spend eight, $900 taking all this off, buying a bunch of junk aftermarket springs and stuff, putting on the car, basically trash the car, right. spent the same money they would have spent anyway, and what did they really gain? Yeah. So a lot of times people will go the long way around the – Around the cart? Around the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really not your enemy, it's your friend. It really is there to help you. It's Correct. a good system, and really, they give remarkably little problems. They really do. Like you say, the main thing is catching the bags when they first start to leak. That's right. If you can catch them then, change them out, the rest of the system, yeah, you usually don't have any trouble out of it. Pretty robust. That system's been out since, geez, Ooh. I guess back in the 80s at least. Yeah, possibly late before 80s. that, I don't know. They use it on the Lincoln Town cars almost exclusively. A lot of Crown Vicks and Grand Marquis have it. A lot of the expeditions and I think maybe even a few explorers have it. Some of them actually went to airbags front and rear. Yeah, like your Lincoln LS, LS. and some of those actually went to a four-wheel airbag suspension, right. 
which is a little less robust just because it's got a lot more moving parts in it. But again, that's the car you got. That's the car you bought. If that kind of technology is not something you want, then right. don't buy that car. Right. Because that's what comes with it. <laughs> right. And then the maintenance down the road. That's right. And it's going to have a price, just like everything you're buying today. You buy a car that has, say, a map system. Uh-huh. Navigation, navigation system. system built in a dash. I mean, that's really cool. It's got the little screen there, and you push oh, the yeah. button, it flips out, it tells you where you're going and all. But remember, that has a cost. One day, you can push the button, that little screen ain't going to come out. Right. Or it's going to come out, it's going to be blank, or it's going to have all kinds of error messages on it. And when it does, that is going to cost you an inordinate amount of money to repair. Right. It's not like the technology of yesterday where if something broke, you just kind of did without it. Yeah, that's right. This new stuff is actually phased into the whole car. That's right. When one system goes down, it confuses every other system in the car. And sometimes you get lights on, or sometimes well, they won't even run. That's right. It can do all sorts of things. I had a fella call me the other day, and he couldn't start his Ford truck. And he had a passkey system uh -huh. with a problem, the theft deterrent system. He said, man, can I just take that junk out of there? Oh, no. No, that is. is integrated into the computer. That ties into basically every electrical component on that car. Right. Because it's tied into the body control module, it's tied into the instrument panel cluster, it's tied into the body control module. It enables the shifting of the transmission, enables the firing of the injectors, it enables the fuel pump. There is no taking that out. That's, that's an right. integral part of the car that's in there, and it's actually a nice feature because it does keep people from stealing your car. And for the most part. Until it breaks. Well, or until, or until you got a problem or until somebody finds a way around it. Well, to, what they do now is stick a gun in your face and give me the keys. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't smart enough to steal the cars anymore. So now the car jackets go sky high. That's it. That's a whole other show. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it's in there, and you really are more and more and more, you don't have an option on repairing stuff like that. No, you don't. It just has to be fixed because it's an integral part of the car. You end up with a check engine light or a car that doesn't run. So just something to think about when you buy the car and not you know when it breaks. Because uh -huh. by the time it breaks and you're faced with a big repair bill. Oh, you're years into it. Well, and yeah. Notes into it. And too, too late to worry about what it costs it. to fix it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I called you last week with a problem on vacuum with my motorhome. Okay. The pump is good. Okay. Because our partner of mine has a motorhome just like it. I took his pump off, put okay. it on mine. It uh -huh. does the same thing. It continuously runs. The pump continuously the, the, runs? The accumulator is good. Okay. There's three servos on there, whatever you call them. There's five vacuum lines, two going to two of the servos and yes. one going to one. Mm-hmm. That opens the door for, the, I guess, the evaporator car? Well, they're going to do all kinds of things, Joe. They're going to open the blend door, which moves between heat and cold. There's another one that's going to have a mode door, which is going to move it from vent to heat to defrost and all that. Then there may be some temperature doors, which maybe changes the temperature side to side. There may be a recirc door. There's a whole bunch of those in there. But if the pump is running continuously, then you got to leak somewhere in the system. Right. Well, when you I put my thing out, I, I undo the pump from the accumulator yes, and cover the vacuum hose, the pump shuts off. Okay. Well, then what happens is that it's drawing a vacuum, and it's probably got something in there that shuts it off at some point. What you really need to do, Joe, is get a vacuum gauge, put it on mm -hmm. that pump, and see how many inches of vacuum it's producing, because it could be running and producing a vacuum and not producing enough vacuum. It's going to have to pull close to 20 inches of vacuum to make that system operate properly. If it's right. pulling 10 inches, you can put your finger on it, it'll suck your finger in, but that's still not going to get the job done. Now, right. what you need to do, put a little T in the line and tap into there with your vacuum gauge, and it has to hold 20 inches of vacuum with everything on because if it can't, 
then you can plug the second leg of the tee off, see if the pump will produce 20 inches. If it will, but it won't hold it on the system, then it's leaking somewhere in the system. We actually ran into a van later last week that the line from the engine goes into a vacuum canister, and then from the canister it goes into the vehicle. Well, the canister itself had a crack in it. It didn't have a hole. It had a crack. It would make enough vacuum until you accelerated, and then it couldn't make enough vacuum right. to keep the doors operating properly. So as soon as you let off, the frost. as soon as you let off and let the vacuum pick back up, all the doors would go back to working like they were supposed to. Come to find mm-hmm. out, it was that crack in that vacuum canister. Yeah. So if you'll take and go inside the vehicle, crank it up, and find a vacuum line where it comes in through the firewall, see how much vacuum you have there. And like Lewis said, put a vacuum gauge on it and see if it will hold from there to there, from inside the vehicle to the pump. Then you know that much of it's good. You know your problem is from the gauge inside the vehicle after that. Okay, what I did, too, I unhooked where the four, five vacuum lines came into the control module. Mm-hmm. You know, where you set the temperature and all yes. that? Uh-huh. I can feel it pulling a vacuum there. Yeah, well, well see, feeling it pulling a vacuum and having the right amount of vacuum is two different things. You know, it could have 10 inches of vacuum or 8 right. inches. You'll feel it, but it's not enough to operate that system. And it may not hold there. Right. Okay. So it, it could have a leak somewhere in between the pump and some there. vacuum, but not enough. So you right. have to know how much vacuum you got so you'll know where the problem's at, whether the problem's between the pump and the control or between the control and the, and the doors. actuators in the right. vehicle. My best idea was to get a vacuum pump and jacket. Yeah, well, a little it's vacuum, a vacuum gauge. gauge. You can buy those very right. inexpensively, probably five bucks at the average auto parts okay. store, and get All your right, vacuum tee so you can hook into it. Right. But not okay. real difficult. Now, if you just can't find it, Joe, you might run it by the shop. we got a smoke machine we could hook to it. If it does have a leak, I can hook that smoke machine up, fill the system with smoke, and see where it's where it coming out. That way I can find the leak for you if you can't find it otherwise. It, okay. At the very least, that would tell you if it was inside or outside right. the vehicle. You know, if it starts smoking inside the vehicle, then you know you got a problem right. with the dash somewhere. That's how we find vacuum leaks on engines. Right. It's a smoke machine well, you hook this, to it. This is actually a diesel pusher. Don't it, matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's we, got a vacuum yeah. system that operates from the pump, so we should be able okay. to put, fill it full of smoke and find it. Yeah. Well, if I can't find it, there you I'll go. do. All right, Jeff. Good luck, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we gotta take a quick little break. Thomas, hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the red box for ten minutes and you've got about thirty movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. <laughs> I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Welcome back. Just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Thomas has been patiently holding. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I dropped you an email yesterday, and yes. you were kind enough to respond. Yes, I've sir. got an 04 Nissan Xterra. Uh-huh. 
and the starter smoked on me yesterday. Okay. And so, and, and you saw in my email, y'all had worked it once before, but you told me in the email the only time that you'd ever seen them not take one back was right. if there was oil on it. All in it, yes, sir. Well, there's an oil leak above this starter. Yeah, so that's the most common yeah. reason they go out. That oil gets in and it arcs the brushes and it burns it up. Almost any time, Thomas, you see a quality rebuild starter fail in a year or less, that's almost always going to be what the problem is. Let me ask you a question. Yes, that thing, it looks like that it's probably just a valve cover. Most up. likely it is. All right. Is that hard to change? Very, very difficult. Really? Yes, that's, that's the one that the intake folds over the top yes, of the valve does. covers. It does. Yeah. Now, one of them may be fairly easy, but the other one is going to be a nightmare. I'm not sure which is which. One of them, the intake manifold has to come off to get it, and it has some cam plugs in the back and tube seals that go around the spark plugs. It's pretty much a big, big deal. Man, so I'm going to be. I'll look. I'll be able to look at it and tell which side it is. And yeah. I, if the, you face, if, if, if face one of them that, is leaking, the other one's not going to be right. too far behind it. Okay. You, you might as well that, change them both while you're in there. Uh, as I'm facing this thing, the, it's the one on the left is the one that's above. Yeah. You're facing the front of the car. One on the left, passenger is the side. One above, right. Yeah. Yeah. Passenger yeah side. I think that's going to be the harder of the two, if I'm not mistaken. Can you see that one? <laughs> can you see it? <laughs> <laughs> or is yeah. It, I mean, you can see what the oil filler cap and all that business is on it. Yeah. yeah but can you see? It does the, the intake? I think folds over that side, doesn't? It's over I the top of it. I think the intake manifold wraps over the top of it. And the intake manifold has to come I know off. One of those is a as a bear to work. Yeah, on. and I'm not sure which it is. I don't. Know. I just work on so many different cars, but there is one side that's fairly easy on them. Right. And like I said, I, you could change just the one side, but it, it's kind of futile because when one is leaking, the other one ain't gonna be too far behind it. And what's gonna happen on the other side if it starts leaking? Gonna run down the alternator and do the same thing to the alternator. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, all leaks are annoying in many cases, but they can also be harmful in some cases. So okay. just probably need to run it by. Let me take a look at it and see. If it's the one that's easy to get to and you want to change just that one, you can. But like I said, just keep an eye on it. One thing, too, Thomas, normally when you start getting all leaks like that, what right. causes that is that the PCV valve is probably getting old and getting restricted, and it's not drawing all of the pressure out of the engine that it should. So when pressure starts to build up, it's going to find the weakest spot, and it's going to blow that out. Right. If you fix the weakest spot, guess what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to find the next one. Yeah, you're going to keep it's, chasing leaks for the rest of your right. life. So be sure you change the PCV valve, too, while you're in there. The only other thing that causes all leaks, if you don't change all often enough, the stuff in the oil that keeps the seals pliable goes away pretty fast, even though the right. oil hadn't broke down, and you'll start getting all leaks because seals all get hard. But I change oil and filter about every 3,000. You ought to be good then. Yeah. I would suspect you probably got a PCV valve that's partially restricted. And, I mean, we've got a gauge called a manometer we can put on test all that, but it's really hardly worth testing because the PCV valve is fairly cheap and easy to change. Well, and here, well, here's the thing. I bring it back, except obviously it won't start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing to spin that starter with. Yeah, that's, that's going to okay, be a problem. Well, you might right, try. Well, guys, I, I appreciate appreciate your help, and okay. I'm going to take a look at it. If I, if I don't feel like I can get through it, I'll see you next week. Yeah, sounds All good, right. man. Thank you, now. Okay, Thomas, thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? That was one of the things that I guess we see a lot with electrical parts and most quality electrical parts, if you're buying an original equipment part, uh -huh. it's generally going to last as long as the original part lasted. Because right. they do a good job with that. Particularly if you buy like a Toyota rebuilt or a Honda rebuilt or a Nissan rebuilt as uh -huh. opposed to an aftermarket. You know, those don't work they out of the box. I was say, they don't make it out of the box. 
But what will kill them is if you have an oil leak and that oil runs down and gets inside of it, that's going to start breaking down the insulation on the wiring. Uh-huh. It'll get all over the brushes. It'll cause it to arc. And when it arcs, you got a tremendous amount of heat. It's going to burn something up real fast. Right. So most manufacturers will not accept a part back for warranty if it's soaked with oil. Well, and that's understandable. Yeah, you, you just got to know it's your responsibility to maintain your car because they can do the best job in the world of rebuilding this part. And if the valve cover leaks all into it, it's gone. Right. You know, it's, it's not going to make it. I know we've had instances last couple of weeks. We had a vehicle come in. The valve cover gaskets were going to be an absolute nightmare. Uh-huh. I mean, this vehicle, I've, I don't know how to even got those on there. But it was going to cost so much to fix the valve cover gaskets that the car almost wasn't worth fixing. The starter had gone out because oil had gotten into it. Right. We were able to actually fashion a little shield over the top of the replacement starter that prevented the oil from getting into it. Right, something just to divert the oil leak around it. And it's not a proper fix, I guess you might say, but it was able to get the man where he could get the car fixed at a price he could afford and get another year out of it, which is all he needed. Uh Uh-huh. I don't recall the exact circumstances, but right now was not a good time for him to try to buy another car, and he just couldn't afford the price of the full job. So sometimes things like that can be done. Josh actually took some sheet metal and fabricated a little shield, bolted it up, so that even though it's still leaking, the oil now comes down, hits the shield, diverts around the starter, and drips off on the ground right. where it doesn't really hurt anything. So there's a lot of times if you just don't have the money to get something fixed, if you will prize the shop of that, many, many times shops are pretty creative. They can come up with some stuff that can. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be a permanent fix. It's not going to save you forever, but it can sure put the inevitable off for a while. Right. It gets you down the road till you can afford to do something. Well, that's right. And many times that's all you need to do. Right. You know, I've got some money coming at the end of the year, or I'm going to graduate at the end of the year, or I'm getting whatever. Uh-huh. Maybe an inheritance. I don't know. Right. But you may have plans. This car doesn't have to last forever, but it needs to last another few months. You need to tell the shop, and a lot of times a good shop can figure out workarounds. Now, the other side of that coin is in four or five months, whenever it does go out, you can't say, oh, well, look, y'all just fix it now. No, 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 no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've got to understand that that was a patch, You're right. and it's not going to be a permanent it's fix. It's not going to be a permanent fix. That's it's right. It's going to be a patch to get you by done for economic reasons. Right. Hey, we're going to take another quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? Putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't keep. 
Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Dream Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526, and we really appreciate hearing from you. We do. That's right, and particularly, we appreciate hearing from folks who are listening out of town. I get a lot of emails from basically all over the world. Uh-huh. A guy emailed the other day from England. He says that he listens. There's a podcast service over there that he subscribes to. Great. And listens on that. I said, well, God bless you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect you necessarily to call, but, you know, <laughs> it's awful nice to hear from you. Right. But, yeah, we get email from all over the place, and we always like hearing from folks in different areas. The problems that are peculiar to your area right if you live in a especially cold area then you see problems that we probably don't see a whole lot down here in the deep south we have problems relating to heat where air conditioning is a huge huge concern to us in other areas it's not that big of a deal right now stuff like undercar rusting is almost unheard of down here but some of the cars up up in the northeast right we had a fella come in the other day with a little honda pilot and bad exhaust leak looked under there and the exhaust pipe had literally the flange had eaten away and that was only the tip of the iceberg that was just the part that broke first right but there was literally nothing to work on i mean no it was what what was left was so thin that you couldn't do anything with it yeah it it had just rusted this car from one end to the other and it's a shame because little car only had 130 140,000 miles other than that ran like a top but like i told him i said man by the time you replace the entire exhaust system on this car, you're going to probably spend $2,500. Uh-huh. You need an exhaust manifold, a downpipe, two catalytic converters, the A-pipe, the B-pipe, the tailpipe, and the muffler. Right. <laughs> Everything. Including the hangers, and then the floor was all rusted out. I right. mean, you could literally look up and see the carpet inside the car because the salt from the road had just eaten this little car away. Well, and now that it's down here, it's going to get moisture and well, yeah. everything else into it. And then, you know, the rest of the car is going to go away pretty quick. <laughs> and so, you know, he was, well, what can I do? I said, well, the only thing I can think of that might be a practical repair is if you could possibly go to a salvage yard and find a little car like this that's maybe wrecked or burned or whatever and uh-huh. get the exhaust system off of it for a reasonable price because when we start buying this stuff from Honda. Oh, yeah. Well, you're talking about an expense. Oh, yeah. The catalytic converter was over $1,000 for the one part. And then the flex pipe was another $1,000. So miscellaneous with the muffler and all that, I think it was about twenty-five dollars to $2,600 just parts. Wow. And it wasn't a huge amount of labor involved, but it was probably two or $300 worth of labor. So you're going to have a lot of money tied up in an old car that was pretty rusted out. Well, it's fixing to go away anyway. Yeah, this wasn't going to be the end of it. This was no, going to be the beginning, the beginning of the problem. So I don't know what he ended up doing, but it just you can get in a situation where the car is hardly worth fixing. Exactly. Let's go back to our phone line with Scott. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning got a 2005 Chrysler Pacifica. Okay. In fact, I'm driving it right now. I had a light come on, my dash, my anti-lock brake, and another lock, a light that comes on with it, steering Probably control. traction control. Yeah, traction control. Yeah, so those they, two they work together. together. They mm-hmm. do. They work. That's both right. basically the same system. And in fact, I just started out, and my light is not on now, but mm-hmm. in about five minutes, it's going to ding, and both of those lights are going to come on. Yes, sir, Scott. That's perfectly normal for a malfunction in the system, what it will do, it does not execute every test at every speed or on every drive cycle. What it does, when you turn the key on, it's going to execute certain tests. 
for instance, go look for conductivity of all the parts, or all the parts physically there. And let's say you got a cut wire. Well, the light will come on when you turn the key on. But it has other tests that it's going to execute at around 5 miles an hour and other tests still that will execute around 30 miles an hour. The first test that it fails, it's going to set the dinger off, put the light on, and set a code in memory. Now, it's not the same memory as a check engine light. It doesn't put it in the power control module. It puts it in the chassis control module. So when you cycle the ignition, what happens is it moves that code to history, it clears the registers, so the light will go back out again. That doesn't mean it's fixed. It just means it's going to stay off until it occurs again. Now, we can go in, plug into the chassis module, retrieve the code, and that is going to tell you the area that caused the problem. It doesn't tell you what's wrong. But with a little bit of detective work, you can figure out what actually is wrong, and then you go in, fix it, and then that's going to solve your problem. The traction control and ABS are basically the same system. They use the same modulator. They use the same speed sensors. It's just one works when a wheel locks up. The other works when the wheel spins. So they're looking at the wheel rotation from two different perspectives, but they're basically right. the same system. Could that dust on the uh, sensor? Not very no? likely, no, sir. No. More likely it's either a bad sensor or a loose wire or a bad connection, or it could be the accumulator is losing pressure. It could be a valve that's hanging up in the modulator. I mean, I could sit here and tell you two days' worth of stuff. There's probably two to 400 different things that can make that light come on. Yippee. But what you're going to have to do is go in and get someone who knows what to do and let them diagnose it for you. Most of the time, it's not a hugely expensive repair, with the exception of the modulator. The modulator is very expensive. If that goes out, then you got a big, big repair on your hand. But we find a lot of times on the Pacifica, the speed sensors will go out. There's four of them on there. You have to be able to identify which one it is. And probably just as often, it's one of the connectors is bad. A connector has gotten some corrosion in it, and it's no longer making up when it should, or it's sending an erratic signal. Some of those actually have active sensors on them also, which is an upgrade from the old passive sensors they used to use. They use a Hall Effect type sensor, so those are even more sensitive to malfunction. But it's fairly simple, straightforward to diagnose. Generally, it's going to take an hour or less with someone who knows what to do and has the proper tooling. I don't think there's anything you're going to be able to do yourself, Scott. It's just, ah. you know, you're looking at a bunch of electronic signals. You're looking at a square wave. You can't see anything. I mean, you can look at it and make sure all the wires are plugged in. I mean, other than that, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. Yeah. It's, you know, even driving down the interstate, it'll come on and yeah. it'll go off. Right. Yeah. You know? And what you don't want to do is what a lot of folks do, and that is, well, it went off, so it's okay. And then they forget about it. Because right. if that sensor is going bad and it shorts out and knocks out the chassis control module, you just took about a $150 repair job and turned it into about an $1,800 repair job. Oh, fun. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's something you want to go ahead and address. It's probably not a big deal right now. It may be as simple as cutting the end off the connector and putting a new connector on it, you okay. know, which is fairly cheap. Or it could be a wheel speed sensor, which, again, is fairly cheap. I got to say, probably three to one, we do that repair over the big stuff. All right. Uh, by the way, I called you several weeks ago about a, a Jeep. Uh -huh. I was having trouble with the exhaust uh, radiator system. Okay. And y'all are right. It's oh. the radiator itself. Okay. Popped a new one in there and probably went away. Oh, good yeah. deal. Happy. Good deal. Appreciate that. Oh, appreciate you calling, man. All right. All right bye -bye. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? Even old blind hog find an acre in every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that same expression myself. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lewis. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I've got a 2003 Honda Accord. Okay. And I'm trying to change the, the wheel studs on, on that left front hub. Yes, sir. 
and can't get them out. Uh-huh. I'm wondering what's the trick to getting that hub out of there. Some of those you can actually turn the hub and line it up behind the brake where the brake caliper used to go. There's a little notch. Yes, sir. A lot of times there's not, and the problem you can get the old one out is putting the new one back in. Because the new one's going to be longer. The new one's going to be longer, and it's going to have a bigger head on the back of it where it stakes into the back of the hub. The, yeah, so, well, mine doesn't have a, a little slot where you can no. knock them out clearly. Yeah, it looks okay. If I could just get that hub out a little ways. Yeah. Yeah, see, all that is pressed together through the axle, that big nut that's sitting in the middle right. of the hub. Yes, that, sir. that is bolted into the CV joint, which pulls and tightens that whole assembly. Right. Of, that is a pressed-in bearing. And if you push that apart, you ruin the bearing. Right. It's going to scream at you whenever you hook it back together. Right. Really? Yeah, you, you can't pull that bearing apart. It Once apart, it's done, a new bearing be got. The only thing you might be able to do is take the new stud, shorten it a little bit, and then take and take a grinder and knock the side of the head off. It's a little piece where of you the head off where it go past. And see if yeah. it will go past the knuckle. That will be the only way you can do it yeah. besides taking the whole knuckle Hub off, bearing apart. pressing the bearing out, changing the studs, but a new bearing, press it all back together, put it back on the vehicle. Yeah, which is really, right. really so once, expensive. Once that hub's out, you've you got to change the bearing as yes, well. Yes, right. it's a one-time deal. Right. Go on my website and look. There's an article on servicing pressed-in bearings. It'll tell you how to get it apart and all that. But it's a pretty big deal. you got to have a hydraulic press. you got to know what you're doing to press it together. And the bearing itself yes. is probably $80 to $90 just yeah, for the part. You, if you press the bearing together the wrong way, you'll damage it before you even get it put back yeah, on the vehicle. Yeah, you can tear them up real, real easy. And if you put any kind of pull or anything on it and pull out of that hub, it's going to destroy the bearing instantly. It, uh-huh. It's a one-time deal. It can't be taken apart and put back together. I see. Well, I'm glad. Well, it looks like that's something I need to bring to, to the shop. Yeah. yeah. You know what we actually have done, David, is like Brian said, grind a little piece of the head of the stud off where I can get it in there and then just take and tack weld it on the back side with a MIG welder to hold what it about, in. What about getting the old ones out, though? That's just take and cut them. Yeah, cut them. Take and knock them. Just take and knock them back into the back toward the knuckle, and yes, take sir. a take a grinder and cut the head off, and then right. you can just pull the stud See, out. You cut it; it'll be real short. It'll come out, but the new well, one won't go back in because it's much longer. You cut the head of it off, right? And then it'll come out the front. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no but, big deal getting them out. Right. But, putting uh, the new ones back in. It's this the challenge. Yeah, I've often thought that someone ought to invent a stud that is threaded, and what you could do is you could cut the old and get it out, thread the hub, and just thread the stud in, and it just become a threaded stud. But mm-hmm. I, don't like know, I don't know anyone who's done that yet, so maybe somebody will hear, hear, somebody <laughs> hear my advice and then <laughs> have a patent on it. That's right. In the hey, you got to send me ten bucks if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, listen. Thank, thank you for your advice. Okay, All Dave. Right, thanks, man. Yes, sir. Bye, bye. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to report on the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We're going to go ahead and take our last little break, and we'll be right back with more on the automotive hour. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I've seen meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? 
What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alderson, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls? 499-9526. And we're going to our phone lines with Ray. Good morning, Ray. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Got a couple quick questions you for you. Nitrogen filled tires. Got a new vehicle. Got they get that, well, this has nitrogen filled tires, and yeah. then they got a sensor on them. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a snake, all Ray. I got two articles on my website on nitrogen fill. That I don't is, have a computer. My basic question mm-hmm. is that what they put the air pressure in the tires ain't near enough for the tire bedding. The profile of the tire don't even right. look right. right. Like I think the tire is forty four pounds, just and put it's air in like thirty six. Yeah, just put and air I in it. Put air in there. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is, am I going to damage the sensor? Absolutely no. not. I, but with, with moisture. For- All you want to do is find a good dry air source to yeah. use. Don't oh, go. Yeah, to that his, was my do- concern. Moisture. Not go to the gas station, right? Because you're going to get a tire full of water, right? I got my own compressor, but you know okay. how that is. You're always having to drain air out the bottom of well, it. Well, that's just part of life because right. you got humidity and air. When you compress it, you can make water. As long as you keep it drained, you're not going to have a problem, right? But nitrogen is nothing but something to sell you. That is something for the tire store to make money on. I, I understand. And my thing was just trying to get them up to a suitable pressure for the life right, of the tire and for right. the tire to perform properly. Yeah, right. all you got to do is put air in, all right? Okay. Just make Other sure you drain your compressor. You see, Ray, those sensors are made out of plastic, and they got a stainless steel core on them, and they're encapsulated in epoxy. So moisture can't possibly get into them. You can stick them in a bucket of water, and they still work fine. They're sealed. There's certainly not the moisture that's in air that's going to really get to them or hurt them any. The battery in them is going to go dead long before that ever happens. And probably the clown in the tire store is trying to sell you the nitrogen is going to break it, putting it in the tire. <laughs> I recommend five to some of them to 10,000 miles on oil changes, and I just don't believe that. Well, Especially with oil filter. Well, Ray, again, that is a recommendation made by somebody who's in the building selling your new car. Exactly. It seems like they're not wanting the motors to last. Well, they don't. they don't. They don't. They want you to get about 100,000 miles, throw it away. Right. You can't even sell it as a used car, so they didn't eliminate the used car and then eliminate that car. So right. they're going to sell a whole lot more cars. All change interval, Ray, depends on the way you operate the car and I not understand. how many miles you drive. If your average trip is long, let's say you get in the car, you drive 30, 40 miles at a time, you could probably go four or five thousand miles between changes. If you like most people, your average trips four or five miles, three thousand mile changes, like always. Uh, my, my manual don't even have a difference between easy, medium, or hard use. In yep. Baton Rouge, with our heat and slow traffic and stuff, it's hard usage. Well, that's, that's right. right. So, Extreme so, conditions. Um, you know, I mean, I'm thinking I need to change my oil every th- I use. I use synthetic basically yeah. for the simple reason is if I miss 500 miles or something, yeah, it's not such a big okay. deal. That's right. But, but I'm thinking I ought to change every 3,000 miles regardless of I what think they you're say. Right. All is real cheap, man. Yeah. Motors are real expensive and all is real cheap. Right. That's right. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, Ray. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Dale online. Good morning, Dale. Hey, how you doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. I got a 2005 Duramax. Okay. That will not go in gear at all. What's it do? In other do? words, you, you can sit there and you can put the shift selector anywhere you want to, and it won't go in the gear. 
How does the shifter feel, Dale? Does it feel like there's any resistance when you move it, or is it just no, moving not free? at all? You don't hear yeah. a clock or nothing. Probably the shift okay. cable's broken. Yeah. It's well, got, no. It's got I a just shift got cable, and I checked the shift cable, and it's still there. Well, it's still maybe it's still there, there is it but moving? is it moving? Yeah, it's moving. You can see the thing on the side of the transmission moving. Yeah. Somebody said it's the NSB. No, MLPL, the manual position lever sensor. Right. Uh, most likely not. If that lever on the side of the transmission is moving, and that's a big if, I still think it's going to probably be your shift cable. But if that okay. is physically moving, that is moving a valve inside that transmission that's doing your shifting. The right. MLPL is only going to tell it what gear it's in. Right. So if that is moving and it's not, the vehicle's not moving, you got something broke inside the rooster comb or where that shifter goes into the valve body. It's no, so I was in transmission, so. Mm-hmm. Is it, does it start in park and it starts in neutral? I hadn't tried that yet. Okay, put, put it in it park, in. see if it'll start. If it'll start in park, kill it, put it in neutral on the shifter handle, see if it'll start again. Right. If All it right. does, then the, the MLPL the lever, is working. Right. Okay. Because it knows it's in neutral. And it's got the, the cable. If you put it in drive and it won't start, then the MLPL is working. Right. Oh, okay. That right. Was, so, I mean, it, what, what I did was I bought it somewhere and it spit out the codes P0500. Okay. And P0700. Okay. Well, those are both transmission codes. You and just... P0500, I looked up on the Internet, mm-hmm. and it said it was a speed sensors. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. that's, that's, that's going to be gonna a stop separate it. option. That's, that's not, not going to stop it from moving. moving. That's not going to stop it from moving? No, no, sir, not at all. No, it'll so set a it'll set It a can light. drive fine without right. a speed sensor. Right. So it could be something internally? Yeah. That's kind of what it sounded that's like. That's what it sounded like, but I'd be sure that cable is moving because they well, break I... all the time. Oh, do they? Yes, sir. I just had somebody in it about six months ago, and he said the inside of the transmission looked fine. Yeah. Well, and you never know. Could have had a part go out, not show any signs. Yeah, of it doesn't have to be out. a big problem. I mean, it could just be that shaft has sheared off or the pin fell out of it or right. all kinds of things that can do that. But if the shaft is moving, then you're going to be into the transmission, not necessarily a rebuild. I mean, you may just have to drop the pan, put the pin back in the shift. Okay. Shaft, or you or may have to drop the valve body. A lot of times, something can be repaired, but just make sure that, that is moving because those cables we change probably one or two a week. Right. On these? Yes, sir. So that's something y'all can do? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I can do anything on that, include rebuild the total transmission. Well, hopefully they need, don't need a rebuild because. Yep. yep. So if I get it hauled to your shop, what do y'all charge to just look at it? It's ninety dollars an hour, and we charge one tenth of an hour increments. So if I spend ten minutes, nine dollars. If I spend half hour, it's Forty-five dollars, just whatever time we spend on it, be an hour or less to diagnose it. All right. So y'all offer me what Allison's in. Oh yeah, yeah, I do oh, yeah. all the time. Oh uh, okay. Well, I was thinking about sending it to the dealer, but I may. Send I it would to never y'all. do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may send it to y'all instead. And that does not necessarily mean you got a big problem. That could be something minor, but if the shaft is turning, it's going to be inside the transmission. Well, let, let me tell you what it was doing. It started acting up. I got in it on a Monday morning. I put it in gear, and it made a big clunk. Okay. And then I, it drove fine, all right? And then it got to where it was starting to act up, where it wouldn't shift out of gears. I'd stop, turn the key off. Well, see, that could be your speed sensor. Right. It, you may turn have more than one problem there. You may have a speed sensor going out, which is causing all of that, and then something else just broke and it won't go in gear. Or it could be a failure in the transmission. We just have to see it. I mean, I can put a pressure gauge on and tell you pretty fast. Yeah. All right, well, I may send it to y'all then. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Okay, Dale. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Bob online. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. How are you guys? Doing great, Doing sir. Doing great. Quick question. I've got an 09 GMC half-ton pickup. Uh-huh. Uh, 60,000 miles on it. And at the very end of the stop, when I brake, mm-hmm. 
there's no noise until there's a very end, and I'm almost letting off the yes, brake pedal. Yes, clunk, like somebody bumped you from the back? Uh, yeah, there's a little squeal or something there. Well, is, I mean, is it a squeal or a bump? No, it's not a bump. Okay. It's uh, more like a squeal. I yeah, think, right? a squeal, Bob, I would suspect something in the braking system Maybe some what they call tip out noise. You got tip in noise and tip out noise. And there's when you first engage brakes, they are doing some things, and then when you let off, they're doing some other things. There is a real common problem with that vehicle with a bump noise, which is a dry shaft clunking in transmission. But that doesn't sound like what you got. I would suspect well, probably one of the calipers is moving. Maybe it's missing a shim, or maybe a bolt is loose that retains it. Particularly if you had some brake work done in the last six months. Yeah, no, I've never touched them. It, okay. it uh, but it, and I, I've had that drive shaft problem early on, and yes. I had that corrected. Okay. So mm -hmm. This is. I, I just wanted to make sure this isn't some kind of a warning that I need to. Well, it is. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I would check it and see because it sounds almost all the time a noise like that is going to be a brake related or something that the brake is bringing on. For instance, see, when you're applying your brakes, you're making the wheel stop. Vehicle still wants to move, so a lot of things are being stressed one way or the other. So any kind of a loose bolt anywhere is going to make a squeak like that. Probably not a big problem right now, but it could result in a big problem, so I'd get that yeah. checked. Well, I'll, I'll give you guys a call and okay. schedule and get it in and have you look at it. Sounds All great. Right. All right, thank okay, you. Man, thank, thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526. Number, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we're going to try to catch one more call. we got Lucy on line. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a 98 town and country. Yes, ma'am. And the passenger side has water on the floor. Okay. And I actually saw it dripping one day, and I reached there, down there, and it was hot water. It's hot water? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now, I've had my water, what is that called? Coolant? Yes. I've had that replaced. No, yeah. no, heater core. Okay. Lucy, when the heater core goes out in a car, mm -hmm. there's a reason. And what a lot of shops do is they simply go in and they replace the heater core, and they don't look for the reason why it went out. In other words, a heater core should last the life of the car. So if it went out initially and they didn't find the root cause, it's going to last six months to a year and it's going to go right back out again. That is the most likely thing if it's hot water. If it's hot and it's kind of sticky, yeah, yeah, that's the heater core is leaking again. You most likely have electrolysis in the system, which is a condition that will very, 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 very damaging. It'll eat the entire car away. It's going to eat the heater core up first because it's the smallest part. But then it'll eat the radiator up. It'll eat the intake gaskets up. You're going to have to get someone to have them diagnose why this electrolysis is going on. Get that under control and then change the heater core again. Don't right. change the heater core until you get the situation under control because it will definitely recur again. All right. You'll run out of money before you run out of guesses, <laughs> I can tell you. But yeah, they're right. going to have to diagnose it. It could be a ground strap that's missing on the engine somewhere. It could be all kinds of things, but you they're going to have to find the source of it. It'll just keep coming back. The heater core can actually be bypassed until the electrolysis right. is solved. Then, once that problem is solved, then you can go back and put the heater core back Because it could take several in. months to, right. to get that under control. Correct. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can bring it to you and yes, you can do that? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
All right. Thank you. I'll be seeing you. Thank Thank you, you. ma'am. Bye-bye. Boy, we have just about squandered another perfectly good hour. Just about. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give a big old thank you out there to all the folks who listen to us on the Internet. Yes, thank you very much. And tell all your friends so we can get some more people listening and go on iTunes and give us a rating. Well, if you give us a written rating on iTunes, number one, it makes us real happy. Yes, it it does. It lets us know that we're doing a good job, which is the whole purpose of us getting up every Saturday morning coming up here and doing this show. That's right. (laughs) Because we don't get paid for it other than that. We're just kind of doing it for just the fun of it. But that is one thing that we really, really appreciate is when we get those ratings. And it also, when we get ratings, it gets iTunes to move us up in the rankings, which means more folks may find out about the show and listen. Much easier to find. That's right. We get the message out there a whole lot better. Go ahead and get on out of here. Tell everybody how much you appreciate them listening. And preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Thank you.